I want you to imagine you're wrapped up nice and warm in bed, really cozy, lovely and warm, fast asleep, and then suddenly the lights come on and a voice speaks. How are you feeling in that moment? I mean, what do you do in that moment? It's always a shock, isn't it, when somebody switches the lights on after a long night's sleep. And my instinct, first instinct, is just to turn away from it, to shut your eyes and say, turn it off. It burns, turn off the lights. But after that initial shock, how do you feel? What do you do? Well, it depends, doesn't it? It depends what the person says as to why they switch the light on. Because, I mean, imagine it, you, you hear them say, come on, get up, it's time for school. And that's not too bad, is it? It's a kind of a bit of a drudge, maybe a little bit boring, but, but you just get on with it. Maybe sleep in a couple more minutes and then get out and get on with your day. But imagine another time the lights come on and you wake up and you hear a voice, but you begin to realise the voice isn't speaking to you. The voice is coming from somebody standing over you with a mask and gown on and they're speaking to somebody else who's got a mask and gown on and they say, pass me the scalpel. No, not that scalpel, the other scalpel, the bigger one. Now pass me the bone saw and you realise that you've woken up on the operating table. And what would you do? You would be terrified. And you would be waving, I mean, if you can wave in that state, trying to get the anaesthetist's attention to say, put me back to sleep. And you would, you'd be right to want to go back to sleep if you're on the operating table. But imagine another time, um, not so traumatic. This time, the lights go on, your little sister jumps on your bed and says, get up, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas. I mean, you might still want to pull the duvet over your head. But I reckon eventually you would get up, and even if you're a parent who's been up till three o'clock in the morning wrapping presents and you're exhausted already, even on Christmas Day, you'd be excited and happy to get up and get on with celebrating Christmas. It depends what somebody says, doesn't it, when they flick the lights on. It depends what they say as to whether it's good news or bad news or terrifying news. It depends what they say. And so that's what we're going to see in our story today. In fact, you've already heard the story. The children um, reenacted it in their wonderful nativity we saw a couple of minutes ago. We're going to look at the story of the shepherds and the angels. So have a look with it. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. This is what happens. Lights come on and a voice speaks. The shepherds are out on the hillsides um, on the night shift. A cold, dark, probably pretty chilly, windy, lonely night shift out on a hillside. And then suddenly the lights come on and they're completely terrified because an angel appears, but then a voice speaks. Into their terror, a voice speaks and explains the light and says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. It's good news. No need to fear great joy because it's Christmas. It's the first ever Christmas. He is here, a royal rescuer. Good news has come, light has dawned, and the good news is that the light is a person. A person. The person that we heard about last week from Isaiah, 700 years before these shepherds, Isaiah saw this light. Do you remember? We heard this last week. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on the throne of his father David and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. 
You see, Isaiah saw a day when light would dawn and a royal baby would be born. And this, that we just read, that the kids just reenacted, Luke 2, when the shepherds get disturbed, is the moment that light dawns. It's the moment that Isaiah was looking forward to in a real town, a real baby, the real God was born into our world. He's a royal rescuer. Think about that royalness first. He's born into a town, the town of David, as in the great king Goliath killing David. This is where he was born. Um, there was a day back in, in um, David's day when a messenger from God arrived in Bethlehem looking for the new king that God had chosen. But he didn't find him, at least not to begin with. They had to search out on the hillsides eventually and bring in a little shepherd boy. And then they found that he was the one that God had chosen. They anointed him with oil. They poured oil over his head and then he became the Messiah, the chosen one, who was going to bring peace and justice and joy as God's king. But then, I mean, eventually he died. And all those hopes and dreams of peace and justice and joy went with him until these angels, these messengers from God come to these same Bethlehem hills and they go out looking for shepherds. And this time it's not the shepherds who are the kings, it's the shepherds who go to look for the anointed king, the Messiah. That's what that word Messiah means. The one who's chosen by God, who's anointed, but not just with oil. No, this king would be given the Holy Spirit to pour down over him and make him powerful to bring peace and justice and joy that would never fade, that would never die, because he would be a king who never died, at least not in any permanent sense. So who is this? Who is this who would have God's power to be king forever? Well, it's God himself. It's the Lord. That's what the angels say. It's great David's heir to 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 David's throne, the one who'd be the king forever. This is God himself emerging onto the stage of human history. And you'll find him in a manger, in a straw, wrapped in, clo in cloths. So as one old hymn says, seek not in courts nor palaces, nor royal curtains draw, but search the stable, see your God extended on the straw. See your God, what kind of God would do this? A God who's humble, I mean, of all of the places to touch down in the world, it's here to an unmarried mother. Imagine the looks that Jesus and Mary got for the rest of their lives. I mean, sure, this baby came from God. Are you sure about that? Imagine how, imagine how that must have felt. But this is where God chose to touch down. In Bethlehem and then Nazareth, and even more of a backwater kind of a place, born to this couple who were basically obscure. But that is what God is like. He's a humble God who loves people the lowest and smallest, most ins insignificant of people. So if that's you, if you're somebody who feels small and far away and insignificant, well then God came for you. What kind of God would do this? Well, a humble God, but also a trustworthy God. I mean, think about it. When people in our world get lots of power and authority and, and money and status, what do they do? Well, they try and escape all of the hard things. They move to a big, big house in the country and send their children to private school. When they go up in the world, they kind of make sure that they go up in the world. But with God, the one who has all power and, and everything at his disposal, what does he do with it? He uses it to go down in the world, to come down to this random place in the middle of Israel, in the middle of nowhere. He sent his son to a Bethlehem town. So don't fear that he would forget you. Don't fear that he would abuse his power and abuse you. 
Don't fear that he would turn away from you. No, he's a trustworthy God, so you can come and trust him. But he's also an unexpected God. I mean, who would ever see this coming? God is not how we imagine him to be. We shouldn't just follow our hearts or follow our own instincts when it comes to knowing God. No, we need to come to him and hear him speak to us. We need to come to the light and hear these angels, hear God himself explain himself to us and listen carefully and follow him. And as we do that, expect some unexpected adventures along the way. So do you see why this is such good news, a great joy? It means that there's a king, a royal ruler, who rules over everything. It means that there is rhyme or reason to this this crazy world that we live in, and that the reason for this world is in his hands, the hands of a God who is trustworthy and humble, a God who serves and who comes close to us, a God who brings lasting peace. So dawn is breaking. In fact, dawn broke 2,000 years ago. The question is, are you going to get up like the shepherds did? Are you going to get up out of bed and come running, or are you going to pull that duvet over your head again and hide away in darkness? You see, it's because we so often do that that we prefer darkness to light, that Jesus didn't just come as a royal ruler, but as a rescuer. Did you see that as well? He's a saviour, a saviour who's been born to us, not just a a king, but a saviour, not just a ruler, but a rescuer. Rescued from what? What's he come to rescue us from? Well, two things that you'll have seen in the passage. He's come to rescue us from fear, and from fighting. Did you pick those up? Fear. It's the first thing that the shepherds feel, isn't it? And it's the first thing that the angel says is, don't fear. It's actually a pretty natural reaction. If you read every single other story, except one in the Bible, I think, at least before this time, when people come and meet God face to face or see the angels, they fall down in fear. They're terrified. It seems to be the kind of natural reaction. And yet, that's not what we were made for. If you go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible, you'll see a story of Adam and Eve walking with God. It says in the cool of the day, just enjoying an afternoon with God, spending time with him. And they're not terrified. They're not flat on their faces. They're they're loving it. It's what they were made for. You see, it is what we were made for, for a perfect relationship with this all-powerful, all-loving Lord of the world. And if If that's the kind of relationship we have with God, if that's who he really is, then what is there to fear? Because we don't need to fear him because he loves us and we don't need to fear anything else because he's bigger than everything else. So, I don't know, rejection and failure. You you would think, why would we need to be afraid of rejection and failure? Because we would be so filled completely with God's love that we wouldn't care what anybody else thinks of us. We're supposed to have this perfect relationship with God. So thinking about the future and, and kind of, uncertain circumstances we wouldn't be afraid of those either because God is love and he holds the future in his hands and we can trust him so we don't need to be afraid of the future or even death itself death would just bring you straight into his presence if we had a perfect relationship with God but we don't and so we do fear we don't know this God who is love and power we're not resting with him we are afraid we do hide under the covers why because we turned away from God, because there's no peace between us and God. That's what the angels say. They say peace has just come down, so it can't have been there beforehand. They say peace from God to men. As their praises go up, peace comes down. And that must have been that there was fighting beforehand, before this moment anyway. And you might say, well, I'm not fighting with God. Maybe you don't even believe in God. 
But I think if we're honest, if we take what the angels say and really think about it and chew it over and ponder it, when you think about it, our hearts really do kick against God's authority all of the time, even if you don't believe in him. We so often just believe, you could put it like this, that the only way that I could ever be happy is if I get to control my life and do what I want. That's what makes us angry in traffic jams, because I'm not getting to where I want to go in the time frame that I want. You see, all of our problems come from that problem, that we've tried to take God away from being on the throne of our lives. We've tried to put ourselves there. And so you see, when Jesus comes along and says, I'm the royal ruler, that gives us a real problem, because we're stubborn. We want to be on the throne of our lives. So when he comes along and says he's the king, well, one of us has got to shift. And we're stubborn enough to say it needs to be him and not me. And you see, when we do that, that cuts us off deeply from God. It's a betrayal of him because he made us to know him and love him and have him as our king. It turns us against him. It ends up with us setting ourselves against his goodness and power. The same goodness and love and power that we should be resting in is now on the opposite side to us. Against us. We set ourselves against it. And that is a very dangerous place to be, isn't it? It's a dangerous place for us and for others because that kind of self-centeredness leaks out into our relationships. That desire for control makes makes us really difficult to be around, doesn't it? I mean, we know that at Christmas time. Maybe we're missing family this time and we'd love to be with them, but it's not long in any family gathering until somebody wants what they want and that other person wants what they want and you end up in conflict. And that's what our world is like. It's the story of our history, that there's no peace on earth, no lasting peace anyway, because there's no peace ultimately with God. There's no peace on earth because there's no peace with God. There's only fighting and fear with others and with God. That's why it's such good news that the angels say, don't fear because peace is here. Peace has come down. They say glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. They're announcing the end of hostility, the end of struggle, the end of darkness between God and humanity. Their glory is going up. They're singing to God because his peace has come down. The angels say, don't fear. Look, behold, a saviour. God has been born into the world to bring you back, to bridge the gap, to heal the conflict. God himself has come to us. And that's good news. God himself has come to us. He's become a man so that he can be this perfect mediator, as in somebody who represents both sides, who can stand in the gap, stand in between God and man, bringing all of our failures across that gap and, and they get swallowed up in God's forgiveness and bringing all of God's love across that gap to us so that we can know him again. You see, Jesus, the God-man, represents both sides and brings us together. That's why we sing in that great carol, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful, all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. You see, it's good news, isn't it? Good news of great joy that there's a, a royal ruler who's also a rescuer and brings us to himself. Good news of great joy for all people, for anybody. So how are you going to re respond? That's really the question. To this royal ruler, how are you going to re respond? Will you respond like the shepherds? The shepherds hear, but they don't just hear, they listen. And you'll know what this is like, especially if you're a husband. And if you're a wife, you'll have kind of been on the wrong end of it. So I'm sorry about that. But 
I mean, maybe I'm just the only husband who's like this, but have you ever experienced that where you ask a question to your wife or, I don't know, try and bring up a subject and you just get a stony stare, the kind of death stare, and then you realise with some vague little memory that comes back that you have just talked about this. Only a couple of minutes ago you talked about Christmas plans or what to get for the kids or what you're going to do at the weekend. You've just literally talked about it. She talked to you anyway, and you heard, but you didn't really hear. And so you get the death stare. You heard, but you didn't listen. It happens to me all the time. I'm sorry, Bethan. Um, but anyway, it's dangerous enough to do that with your wife. But when it comes to God, if we do that, it's something that is spiritually fatal. To hear him, but not listen to him. Now, these shepherds, they're as far away from that as you could get, because they, as soon as they hear this news, they're running, aren't they? Running taking notice of every word, drinking it in. As soon as the angels have finished their singing, they're off, running down the mountain. I sometimes think it would, you'd be gutted if you were the one who had to kind of draw the short straw and stay behind and miss out on seeing Jesus. Or maybe they just left the, um, the sheep to it and all ran down. But they run. They want to hear, not just hear the good news, but see it for themselves. And so what about you? Are you somebody who's ready to fling the duvet off, leave darkness behind? to say, sorry, Lord, for my part in darkness. I want to come and know you and see you for myself. Are you ready to come and run to the Lord Jesus? Maybe you have lots of questions. Maybe one big question is, is whether this is all a myth. Well, can I encourage you to come and see the evidence for yourselves, like the shepherds do, to come running and just see if it really is and really was a real baby who was the real God, who stepped into a real town in our real world to bring real hope of peace between us and God and us and other people. Is that real? Lots of questions I'm sure we have, but it, it really is. This is history. Luke wrote this within the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. You can go and check that out for yourself and see. Luke isn't writing a myth hundreds of years later. This really happened. It's really history. And so it's really good news that brings joy. That's what the shepherds do next, isn't it? They pour out the good news to everybody else. It's like they've been so filled up with light that the, the windows and doors of the houses of their lives just burst open and they shine it out like a city on a hill, like a lamp on a lampstand. They can't help but tell everybody else so everyone else is amazed. So if you're a Christian, if you're somebody who's come to Jesus and known this light and, and welcomed it into your life, well then there shouldn't be any blackout curtains in your life. Those are not available for Christians. We should be people who fling open the doors and windows of our lives and pour out this news to everybody else. Maybe we won't do it in quite so impressive a way as the angels. Maybe nobody will listen to us because we don't look as impressive as the angels, but still, the message is the same. The message is just as good news as it was that day, today. So let's go and shine it out to anybody who'll listen. So you could ask that question. Who are you gonna shine this message out to this week? How are you gonna sing of him? And that's what the angels do, isn't it? And the shepherds soon join them. One angel is enough to announce the news, but it has to take the armies of heaven to come and sing God's praises and glorify him. So let's sing. In a moment, we're going to sing together. So let's sing at the top of our voices. Or if, um, I mean, the guys in church, they have to do this in their hearts. So let's, um, if you're listening to this at home, um, let's make up for the silence that they have to endure in that physical service by singing with our hearts like these angels and these shepherds did. The last thing to do, this is something for life, not just for church services. The last thing to do is to do what Mary did, to treasure this up and ponder it. 
That word ponder means to connect the dots, to pull it all together, to link it up, to chew it over, to take it deep into your heart. And like Mary did, to treasure it, to understand it, to make sense of it, to work it out in all of your life and to treasure it and make it the cornerstone of your life forever. Put Jesus on the throne of your life as he really is already and live your whole life treasuring this good news of great joy. If you're somebody who hasn't really done that before, who hasn't really prayed to God and asked him to come and bring light into your life, well, I'm going to pray now. And these aren't magical words, but if you want to pray and follow along with me, then that would be great. It's really the first step in what we do every day as Christians, in praying to God and asking him to, to forgive us for our darkness and asking him to bring light into our lives and lead us on to be light to others. So let's pray. If you want to, if you're somebody who's decided to leave that darkness behind and come and know Jesus and know peace and hope and joy, then come and follow along with me as we pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are good news of great joy. We pray that you would help us, Lord, today. Help us to, to say goodbye to darkness, to fling off that duvet and to wake up to the light and come and follow it and greet it and welcome you into our lives. Lord, we thank you that you've made it possible for that to happen, that you've made peace between us and God, that you've forgiven us all of our sins and our darkness, that you sweep it all away and bring us into joy and and peace, Lord, without fear. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you do that for us and ask that you would do it afresh for us this morning and help us to walk in light and be shining this light out to others to the end of our days, we pray. Amen. Amen.